Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. I have attempted to minister the importance of the armor of God. I've tried with the help of the Lord to cause us to understand that we are not in a physical war. But there is a real war being fought in the spirit realm. If you believe that, say amen. I must remind you, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities and rulers of darkness, wickedness in high places. This is why we need the belt of truth. We need the breastplate of righteousness. We need the shoes of peace. We need the shield of faith. We need the helmet of salvation. And we need the sword of the Spirit. And while that may complete the armor of God found in Ephesians chapter 6, I think we would do an, a great injustice to stop there. But tonight I will attempt to take us a step further to look at the Word of God and what it says about the armor and suiting up with what I feel is one of the great revelations in this scripture. It's found in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and I'll read it for the sake of a text. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places, in, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In verse number 18 is where I will, I will launch from tonight, praying always with all prayer and supplication in spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I firmly believe that after we are equipped, after we have placed the armor of God on, it doesn't stop there. It's much like when you come to an altar and repent of your sins and are baptized in Jesus' name and you're filled with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. But we've got to become clothed and covered in prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer cannot quite be described as a part of the armor. But the description of a Christian's equipment for war cannot help but include a reference 
to prayer. What the apostle was saying here was that you've got to put on each piece of armor with prayer. It's not because that the the soldiers didn't have other weapons because they did. Besides the sword, the soldiers also had spears and had bows and quivers full of arrows. Then there were other weapons in the Roman warfare like the battering ram and the catapult. And sometimes they even had horses that could be trained to use their hooves as a weapon. But Paul doesn't compare any of these to this last weapon that he wants to talk to us about. But none of them come even close to the power and precision and effectiveness of this last weapon. Paul doesn't give us a piece of battle gear to equate this to. Maybe I felt in prayer today, I told someone, I feel like prayer is in our arsenal much like a secret weapon. Prayer could be best described as a secret weapon. You know how military and army militaries always try to get the upper hand against their enemies by creating and designing new and improved weapons. Well, this weapon is the secret weapon, I believe, that God has given us to fight the enemy forces. This weapon is something that the enemy does not have. Somebody ought to hear me right now. This weapon has something that the enemy does not have. And let me just uh, just affirm your faith and let me strengthen you in your spirit. And the enemy cannot stop this secret weapon. This weapon, the enemy cannot thwart. uh, He cannot stop. There is no defense against this type of weapon. But if Paul were writing to the book of Ephesians today, if he was writing to the church at Ephesus and comparing our pieces of spiritual armor to the types of armor and weapons used in modern warfare, I think that he would have a ready illustration of what this secret weapon is. For this weapon began to be used in the Korean and Vietnam Wars. We saw it used majorly in the first Gulf War and also during the war in Iraq. This weapon is the perfect example of this last piece of spiritual armor. You might say, Pastor, what is this special weapon? It's called air support. And I know there's a lot of different names and we have some some great specialists that work uh, in the industry of creating and making uh, things that assist in air support. But when I begin to study this and study prayer and study where where I'm going to teach from tonight, there is uh, something that the military has access to uh, that causes us to have a greater advantage over our adversaries, and it is air support. When a platoon is under heavy fire, they call in, everybody say air support. They get on their radios and give the coordinates of where they need certain bombs dropped. And as quickly as possible, jets begin to fly over. And they drop bombs onto the coordinates that are provided. 
This technology has developed over the years. In the Vietnam War, they sometimes ran into the problem of being given wrong coordinates or not fully understanding the coordinates of which they were operating with. And bombs would unfortunately be dropped inaccurate. And so many U.S. soldiers ended up dying from what we call friendly fire. But in the Gulf War, they had these laser-guided precision bombs and missiles, which we're all amazed. We are all amazed by. But more recently, in the last several years, our forces closed in on Baghdad. Both the Iraqi people and all Americans were glued to our television sets and our computers as they literally were in shock and awe. And that phrase was used during that war, the shock and awe. But there would be intelligence used and intelligence gathered. And global positioning satellites and smart bombs were able to win a war in record time. Many of you remember just a few years ago, uh, our our current president, President Trump, uh, uh, used a bomb called the Moab. It was something that was used with such precision. Matter of fact, I don't even think you've even heard of Syria lately in the news following that strategic attack because it did uh, just what it was designed to do. Hallelujah. It's very important to understand the principle of air support. I think that if Paul was writing today, he would use this as his illustration when he wrote Ephesians 6, 18. Maybe he would write something about the air support of prayer. I believe that. I believe in the air support of prayer. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, Mere Christianity, that this world is enemy-occupied territory. And that Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. And is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. And it is primarily through prayer. Somebody say prayer. That much of this sabotage takes place. Prayer is how we spiritually fight back against the enemy. And I quote what C.S. Lewis said. Prayer is fundamentally a warfare activity, end quote. With this in mind, on this Wednesday night, it is sometimes, uh, we, we sometimes overcomplicate uh, the subject of prayer. We, you know, some of us have war rooms. Some of us have prayer rooms inside of our homes, uh, and that's all good and well. And maybe you've got a chair. I know I have a chair that I sit in that occupies most of my prayer time. But you have your place. You have your closets. You have your rooms. You have your cars. You have those things that you go to in that time and season of prayer. Uh, let me remind you tonight Prayer is warfare activity. No matter where you go, no matter where your place is, your prayer closet, your prayer chair, your prayer vehicle, your whatever it is, it must be what I would call a prayer foxhole. This is where you engage in warfare. It's where you fortify yourself and understand when you enter that realm of prayer, you're at war. 
Prayer is not just a chat on the phone with God. I believe there are times in our lives where if heaven could give what they're hearing out of our voices, they would agree. I hear a frantic call coming from that house. I hear a frantic call coming from that war room. They're under heavy fire. They need some support. If I could hear and if heaven could relay to us the messages that are being heard, I believe God would give us a script and there would be something that could be printed that would say that they would hear, that the heavenlies would hear us pray. God, send in help. We need an intervention. We need it right now. We're not going to survive. I believe the heavens have heard some of your prayers. God, save my babies. Save my family. Heal my body. Touch my mind. Bring me out of this situation. I'm going to say it. We, I, we're in a war. And I, let, let, let me go ahead and help you. I said we're in a war. And we need to pray like we're in a war. I, I think it's time out for the patty cake patty cake for Jesus prayers there needs to be some warfare prayers there needs to be some warfare tongues that are coming out of your mouth where you stop speaking English and you start praying in the spirit realm mm -hmm. I don't know what you're saying but God does I don't know what's coming out of your mouth but God does that's the kind of prayers I feel like we're stepping into in our church. The level of worship is increasing. The level of prayers are intensifying. All I can say tonight to us, look out, Satan, look out. Look out, devil. Look out, principalities and rulers of darkness. We mean business, and this means war. Hallelujah. The first thing we discover from in Ephesians 6 and 18 about our secret weapon of prayer is that it must be, somebody say, perpetual prayer. This would be a good thing to write down if you just want some things and nuggets to take home with you tonight. Everybody say, perpetual prayer. In verse 18 it says, praying always. We should be praying always reminds us of what Paul said. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, that we should pray without ceasing. This doesn't mean that we should always be on our knees praying 24 hours a day, seven days a, seven days a week. It means, rather, that we should always be maintaining an attitude of prayer. An attitude of prayer. It doesn't take you an hour to get warmed up if you've had an attitude of prayer. There ought to be something in your day. You're driving down the road. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you for the day you've given me. Thank you for touching my body. Thank you for providing. There ought to just be a prayer come out of you every now and again that just, God, I thank you. I know that seems little, but it's an attitude of prayer that comes out of you. I'll find myself just, thank you, Lord. Now, my mind, I'm praying, I'm thinking, but it's got to come out of your mouth. And I'm not going to say, it, it, I know sometimes it's difficult to maintain. But this is the goal we should always nevertheless pursue, an attitude of prayer. 
But this is what Paul calls us to. The first aspect of warfare praying is that we should pray always, which is a perpetual prayer. A perpetual prayer. Second is a petitionary prayer. We get this from what he says in verse 18, with all prayer and supplication. The first term prayer refers to general requests, whereas the, the second part, or the second term, petitionary prayer, supplication is a word for specific prayer needs. So Paul is, is just called, Paul is just saying to us, there are all different types of requests and needs, general and specific. But to put it simply tonight, Paul says that spiritual warfare prayer means that we have to pray for things. Let me just say, it's okay to pray for things. And, I, I, and I'm going old school here on you just for a second. Going old school. Have you ever been in a prayer service? You ever been in church? And I know the meaning, and it was all good and well, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. I understand the motive behind it. And you would, you would raise your hand. Okay, brother so-and-so, what's your prayer? I have an unspoken request. And you know, the older I get, brother Paul, I'm wondering, it ain't never going to get answered if you don't speak it. And I know what the meaning was. I don't want to tell everybody what I'm praying about. So I'm just going to say an unspoken request. I get it. But I just wonder what would happen if we start boldly speaking that. Don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about what, what anybody else is going to say. You just, be, it ain't unspoken. I'm going to tell the one. I'm going to make my petitionary request known. Because I believe that God can answer that prayer. Hallelujah. I believe the power of life and death is in the tongue. There is power in the spoken prayer request. My, my, my. I just wonder how many things that God would love to do for us. But he can't because we don't ask him. It's not because he doesn't know what we want. Or doesn't know what we need. But he wants us to express our dependence upon him. He wants us to come to him and share our needs and our desires. And unless we are willing to humble ourselves and ask him for some of the things that we want. He will not give them to us. I just wonder if he's standing on the balcony of heaven looking in and peering into our mere mortal lives. And he's got the blessings in his hands. He's got the provisions in his hands. And he's just saying, I'm waiting on them to ask of me. You have not. Why? You have not because you. What would happen if we end 2020 with a petitionary prayer? Sometimes we just get... Well, I don't want to feel needy. I don't want to feel... No, 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 no. Let me remind you. He still owns the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> he knows how many hair is on your head. He knows, he knows the grain of sand that's on the beach tonight. He could put the oceans, as I said, on Sunday in an eyedropper. And you think that God doesn't care about you? He doesn't care about your needs. He doesn't care about what you have. You've come too late to tell me that, that our God does not care about you and I. 
Hallelujah. Sometimes in prayer, we, we, can go down this, we can go down this trail that we're told there are no small requests. But I think that, that there are the, the exact opposite. When it comes to praying to God, there are no large requests. Well, I just think my petition's too small. I'm not going to tell God. There are no, there, I believe all of our prayer requests in the mind and the eyes of God, they're nothing, really. You may think they're too small. I'm not going to worry God about them. They're too big. God can't answer that. What looked like a mountain to you is just a hill. One writer said, from heaven's point of view. What you're looking at tonight, what you're focusing on right now, you don't have answers for. But that's where you make your petitions known unto him. And remember, he's an infinite God. He's an immense God. He's an omnipotent God. What do you think Joshua was thinking the day when he stood on that battlefield and he commanded the sun to stand still? The same God that, that made the sun stand still can keep an angel of protection around you as you go to work tomorrow. That's just the kind of God we serve. I, I, I don't know if you do this or not, but it might be helpful for you. If, we, if you are not praying scripture, it may be time we start praying scripture. Because if I know I'm praying scripture, then I know I'm praying according to God's will. Come on, somebody. Scripture promises that if we pray according to God's will, we know that we have what we ask of him. This is how we can call down air support and how we get through to a realm of powerful prayer. Stronghold breaking prayer. And my next one is powerful prayer. When we pray and whatever it is we pray for, the true effectiveness and the true answers to prayer comes when we are, and I alluded to this just a second ago, Praying in the spirit is powerful prayer. I firmly believe that there should be a dimension and level of prayer that you reach when you stop praying your prayers. And you begin to pray in the spirit. Where prayers stop being about you and start being about the spirit praying through you. That's the realm of prayer that we want to get into. That's the realm of prayer that begins to call down air support. Prayer is our pipeline to the power of God. I said prayer is our pipeline to the power of God. Someone once said that prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Powerful prayer. Hallelujah. When, we, when you get in that prayer room, when you're in your private prayer time... Just, if you come in with that pump already primed, when you get in there or when you get in here, you're going to begin to pray in the Spirit. Here's where I want us as a church. God is sending us guests in here every week. What they need and what we need as a body of Christ is to come in here. We've already prayed our petitionary prayers. We've already prayed those petitionary prayers before we ever got here. We've already, we've already been praying perpetually. So when we come in here, it's all power. 
It's power. If you wait to, I hate to do this, but I'm a, if we wait to get here to start praying our perpetual prayers, if we wait till we get here to do our petitionary prayers, I, ha- I have a hard time. You, we start at 11 on words. You might get to power praying by about 1230 when everybody else has been in power mode since about 1115. That's where God's trying to take the church. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. We've got to step into a realm where we've been praying every day. We've been making our petitions known every day. And when we get here, we can step into a realm of power praying where we literally can lay hands on the sick and they recover right here. Miracle signs and wonders right here. Hallelujah. I feel this, Brother Chris. God's taking a, and you know what? It's going to happen through your hands. Your hands. Because you've been You've been praying all week. You've been going before the throne all week. You've been perpetually praying. You've been already, that that petitionary prayer, you're ready to walk in the spirit. You're ready to storm hell with a water pistol, brother brother Jeff. You're ready to lay hands and somebody instantly be delivered. Hallelujah. Praying in the spirit. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. The fourth element of our secret weapon of prayer is perseverant prayer. The end of 18 reads, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. We need perseverance. What is perseverance? Continuing. Keep on praying. This element of prayer has been one of the most difficult for many of us in this room, including myself, at times. Have you ever felt like, this is very transparent, that you pray for the same thing over and over, day after day, and never seem to get an answer? It never seems to happen. It, it, it's just, God, I've been praying for years for this to happen. And we asked ourselves, why do we keep on praying? Why are we supposed to be persistent in our prayer? What is the difference between praying for something one time and a thousand times? Well, let me help you because in this study, it's helped me to to understand. God doesn't answer our prayers right away. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers right away. You know why? I believe because he wants us to keep talking to him. I wonder if God knows that when he answers it, he won't hear from us again. If he answers it, yeah, the first time you pray, you wouldn't talk to him for about six weeks till you needed something else. You wouldn't talk to him. You, matter of fact, you may not even come back to his house. I know that's nobody in here. I know that's never been me. But because we go to him in prayer, because it's perseverant prayer, Brother Edward. I know I'm waiting on them to pray. I'm waiting on them to call my name. I know they're going to pray. I ain't answered that prayer yet, but it's going to make them come talk to me today. I just want to hear their voice. I just want to hear their, I just, see the tone of your voice cannot be duplicated. The, the voice that you have 
it cannot be really it cannot be mimicked or duplicated. There there are some people who can can you know they could try, but but God knows your voice. God knows the tone of your voice. God knows when you're going to pray. He knows as well as we do from our own experience that our most faithful and fervent times of prayer are when we need God to act, but when God finally does answer our request, we might spend a few more days in prayers. But as the need wanes, so does our prayer time. However, there's another possibility that I thought about today that makes more sense. And I've got Bible proof for this. Do you remember in Daniel, the book of Daniel, Daniel 10, when Daniel prayed three times a day for 21 days for a particular prayer request? After persevering so long in prayer, he finally gets an answer. The angel who brought him the answer, however, tells him, Daniel, that prayer was answered on the first day. I heard you on the first day. But there were some wicked forces operating that you couldn't see. That the angel couldn't get through. The angel could not get through for about three weeks. You don't think there's a real spirit world out there? I've just come to give you notice tonight. If you don't believe it, hear me. That could be why some of your prayers haven't been answered yet. God heard you the first time. But there's an angel been trying to navigate his way through spirits and principalities. And trying to get to you. And every time you pray, it's just getting a relationship with you and God fortified. So when he answers... You'll appreciate it even more. You'll cherish it even more. You'll thank him and worship him even more. When I read this story about Daniel, it implies to me that it is only because of perseverant prayer that the angel was finally able to get through with Daniel's answer. Persevering in prayer is required for some prayers to get through. Especially since we are in a spiritual warfare. You cannot think you're going to win a battle by going out and swinging a sword one time. Then sitting down. Resting and saying. Well I swung my sword but didn't get the victory. So I guess I'll just throw in the towel and give up. No. That ain't the way victories are won. Victories are won by keeping on swinging, by keeping on standing, by keeping on fighting, by keeping on praying. You can't pray just one time. I prayed. God ain't done it. You've got to keep persevering. 
You've got to keep praying. You've got to stay faithful. You've got to keep coming to the house of God. You've got to keep being faithful to the house of God. You've got to keep your mind fixed. And you've got to stay. God, I'm going to pray till victory comes. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith until victory comes to my house. Sometimes you just need to hang on and pray. Sometimes God is working to answer our prayers. But we give up too soon. Spiritual warfare requires us to persevere in prayer. I just wonder if the children of Israel, as they walked around the Jericho wall, I just wonder if on that sixth day they started questioning old Joshua. You see, they only walked one time a day for the first six days. Nothing happened for six days. Even what was more strategic, they couldn't even open their mouth. They couldn't utter a word. That's three million approximately people, two to three million people. They were commanded by Joshua, do not open your mouth or utter a word. Because Joshua knew if they ever started talking, they would talk themselves out of walking. They had to walk in silence. They had to walk in unity. They had to walk in faith. They had to walk in a belief that God had spoke to the man of God. And that God was going to bring victory to them. In the manner that he chose to bring them victory through. I think sometimes God's chosen methods of victory. Sometimes we don't understand. And then we question God. What are you doing? What do you mean I've got to pray? What do you mean I've got to have a perseverance prayer. What you're God? I can. You should just answer my prayer the first. Don't you know what all I've done? And we bring out our little portfolio of all we've done. And God says, "I'm not worried about what you've done. I'm more concerned with my relationship with you, and what's being forged and bonded in this season of prayer. I love it when you pray." I love it when you call my name. I love it when you come and worship even when you don't feel like it. I love it when you walk into a church, in, into a service and, and you've, you've been through hell all week. And you, you don't understand what I'm doing. My hand has not been revealed. My way seems so far. And my voice seems so distant from you. You remember what it used to be like. But now you're in a, you're in a different season. Uh, but that's, I, I believe there's more to the, to the scripture. Be instant in season and out of season. That means you pray when you feel like it and pray when you don't feel like it. You worship when times are good and you worship when times are bad. You worship because he is God. You pray in perseverance. Uh, and I believe that, that the, the, the great man of God, Brother Merle, you and preached a message it because of the times many years ago. There's power in holding on. I said there's power in holding on. You just got to hold on longer than the devil. I said, you got to hold on longer than the devil holds on. You know the last one that, that, that's still standing and the last one holding on is going to win. 
You just got you just got to hang on, and you're at the end of the rope. Just tie a knot and hang on, and say, "Devil, I'm not giving up, and I'm not giving. I'm in this thing this time to last. Uh, I will not be tossed out of the church. I will not be talked out of the church. Uh, this is where I belong. I'm in the church of the living God, uh, and I'm going to persevere to the end. Stand to your feet all over this house." Stand to your feet. Woo! Perpetual prayer. Pray without ceasing. Petitionary prayer. It's okay to ask things of God. Powerful prayer. It's okay to pray in the Spirit. It's okay to speak in tongues inside your home. It's okay to pray in your vehicle. It's okay to have to pull over on the side of the road and just get out and do a Holy Ghost jig. It's okay to pray in the, no word, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm telling you, there's a perseverant prayer as we end 2020. We're watching thereunto with all perseverance. God's waking up a spirit of prayer in this church. I'm excited. The first Monday of, of every month, I believe in the calendar, it falls just perfect except for one Monday during the year. But we're going to have first Monday prayer here at the church. January, I believe it's January the 4th, will be our first, first Monday prayer. And I'm believing this place is going to be packed with people for prayer meeting on Monday night. Somebody shout amen. I believe prayer is what's going to be the difference. And because we've persevered and because we have made up in our mind, we're going to see God do some great things. As we conclude our time together today, we just want to say thank you for joining in today's episode. We pray that you heard something that encouraged you and that you will share the good news of Jesus Christ to someone today. As a reminder, we encourage you to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you again soon via our next episode on the Sanctuary Community Church Podcast. God bless.